Greetings. It's a beautiful sunny day in Nairobi, Kenya. I am Onyango Otieno. Today, I take you down memory lane to my early learnings of domestic violence and its correlation with female genital mutilation, FGM. Thank you for tuning in to the Afro Masculinity Podcast. I hope you have a blast. I remember this one night, my parents had a fight at home. My dad hassled up my mom to the wall of the living room. I was 22, accustomed to endless arguments between them for as long as I recall being a child. My father would even throw mom's clothes out in the public when he was angry. She'd shout back at him. It was just evident to me that they weren't happy. I think I understood that arguments were part of daily life. People argue all the time, right? It's the physical violence I just never got used to. Dad was, for most parts, physically stronger than any of us at home. He'd beat everybody up when he felt enraged. He always justified it, carrying the belief that his way was the only way there had to be. When I was younger, I'd try to intervene when he was pinning mom down. But as I grew older, I became more helpless at the fact that my society would tell me I shouldn't fight my father, that he would curse me. And as a boy brought up in a Christian home, it made sense at the time, yet also confusing. Because I'd wonder who gets to question my father, or was the message men ought never to be questioned? I suddenly became rebellious through my teenage years. The world was also opening up to me. I would learn that the violence in its multi-layered forms wasn't just happening in our home, but that it also manifested in my neighborhood and in many other communities. It seemed normal and definitely acceptable for men to be physically violent to their wives because it didn't look like this society was willing to stop it. It did not feel good seeing my mom's tears time and again, screaming to the top of her voice, her blood when dad would pull her hairline with the full grip of his hands. I harbored very deep anger within me, often asking my mind, then who gets to beat him because he beats us all the time? Where was the fairness? How is this situation so unequal and yet my uncles never stopped him? Why was it okay to instill so much pain on us and he gets to do what he wants? I had many questions, you see. And then I got older. I started understanding that his violence didn't exist in a vacuum. Something supported it something I needed to get to the bottom of. 
and I would say greatly inspired the work I do. I wanted to understand my father from one end as his firstborn son who needed his affection and on the other end as a wounded child who detested his demeanor as a dad. And I found out that violence against women and children by men is deeply embedded in our social fabric. It's in the way we see the world that men rightfully take the place of power in society and that they could exercise this power regardless of their social class, more so power over women and children. It creates a perfect base for systemic violence against the group considered weak and expected to be subjects. And I often say the laws that govern or rule any society are set by the people in power in that society. And since many societies the world over are heavily patriarchal, it only makes sense that many cultural beliefs and convictions we can mention in the last 200 years heavily protect the interests of men. For example, in my community, when a woman marries, she leaves her family home and joins her husband. That process is termed as kendo. Kendo, which literally means to cook. Cooking is considered a woman's role in marriage. She takes up her husband's name too. This is more common. I even heard stories there was a time it was illegal for women to eat eggs. Recently, I was at a workshop that brought together African digital storytellers to learn and share ideas on leveraging their platforms in creating awareness and spur conversations to disrupt the silence on female genital mutilation. I learned so many things about FGM that I had no idea about. I didn't know we had four types of FGM, which I shall discuss in a second part of this podcast series together with its effects. But the other thing that caught my attention was the perceived benefits of the practice. It might help to know that about 200 million women and girls around the world have undergone FGM. 80% of them are from Africa. It was interesting to learn some of the beliefs associated with the need for girls to undergo the cut. One of the strongest reasons is that it offers a sense of belonging. Since every girl in a community that practices it gets some kind of social acceptance, it's only obvious that every girl would want the respect and honor undergoing the cut would bring to her. And of course, this honor is connected to other things like having better marriage prospects or having higher chances for political participation since a woman who's gone through it would be considered more woman. Some believe it prevents curses and heals diseases and some do it because it is perceived to create more sexual pleasure for their husbands. Other cultures say it is for reduction of sex drive and promiscuity which would in turn preserve virginity and prevent premarital sex. You might be sitting there wondering but 
why is this still happening in the 21st century? How come communities that practice female genital mutilation still can't see its harmfulness? Well, here's what we often don't see, that a culture is very much connected to identity. Once one's culture is interfered with, it shakes the identity too. And people are gravely attached to their identity. They view identity as this immovable idea stuck at one place for a lifetime, not as a moving object that can keep morphing and evolving, even though pieces of what they believe and practice inevitably change over time. So then, how do we interact with the idea of change? This is where we'll start from on the next episode as we delve into the effects of FGM on women and girls, both short-term and long-term, and what you and I can do to change the narrative. This podcast episode was brought to you by Youth Hub Africa in collaboration with African Youth Commission. Till next time, I'm always yours, Onyango Otieno.